Did they not do a great job this morning? Uh, they did, they did. That was absolutely wonderful. Okay, I got you. Uh, you're taking an easy way out this morning, aren't you? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> hey, we, look, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 12. So, so there are times when, when, and I have done this before, not, not necessarily here at the church, although we all have, have bad mornings and stuff where you feel like that you're, when you get up to go and preach and stuff like that, you got to carry it. Now I'm feeling this morning that I just really just don't need to screw up, all right, because we've been in worship this morning already, have we not? All right. So Luke chapter 12 is where, so turn with me and hold with me there for just a second. I just want to share with you. Um, today we're talking about, and, and for this week and a few more weeks, about what it means to be, live our lives under new management. The scripture says to us that when we become a Christian, when we become a follower of Christ, we're a new creation. The old things pass away and all things become new. That's every aspect of our life. The problem for us as followers of Christ is, is that we like to follow where we want to follow and not follow where we don't want to. So there are certain areas of our life that we hold back and certain things that we learn not to turn over to God because we feel like that we can control them better. Um, so we live in a culture and a society today that's all about athletics. Athletics is really, really high. I mean, sports is really, really high. And so coaches get positions and they get upgrades. And a lot of times what you see is you see someone, especially in football, who's an offensive or a defensive coordinator, and all of a sudden they become the head coach of something. Well, the first place that I feel like that you can really see what they're made of is in clock management. Because how they learn to manage the time of a game is very important. Because sometimes the game is really close, and it gets down to the end, and they don't use their timeouts. They don't do the things that they should do. And everybody's screaming at the TV like myself, right? You're watching your coach. You're going, you're blowing this. You're just really blowing this. Because you're not doing what you're supposed to do. You're not managing this time. And sometimes I really wonder as I'm sitting there yelling at my football coach for the way that they're not managing things, if the Lord is up in heaven going, what are you thinking? If he's not looking down on us and saying, you have this much time. I've given you this and you're blowing it. You're not learning how to use the clock. You're not managing your time well at all. Some of us, we love to be a part of everything. You're just social, social, social people. And so you sign up for all kinds of stuff. One of my former churches, we used to put out sign-up sheets in the back. And every time I'd go to the back, this one woman's name was up there all the time. And I'm like, you sign up for everything. I told her, I said, you sign up. She goes, I just don't want the page to be empty. So I was like, you have no intention of showing up for this? She's like, no, I just sign up because it needed to be signed up for Somebody else will sign up, and then I can drop out. <laughs> and I'm like, don't sign up. It's okay. So we put our name down for things, and we what? We fill up blocks of our time because we want to be involved in something or feel like that we need to be involved in something. And we over what? What's the word? We overcommit. We live our lives like there's time. And then some of us, we undercommit. We don't sign up for nothing. It's my time, and I really would like it if you're not involved in it or nobody else, okay? I just want to be by myself, and we undercommit. And we allow time to just slip away and slip away and slip away. And then we wonder, 
10 years later, where it's all gone and how we missed out on these things and how we should have been involved in these things. Well, today what I want us to do is I want us to look at a passage of Scripture and talk about what this really means for us. Because look, there's a, there's a tension that's here. And we talked about this in our men's Bible study on Wednesday. The men's Bible study on Wednesday was about contentment. We were looking at contentment. And so the Scripture tells us that we are to be content in everything that we do, right? And so we should, have, we should be living a life of contentment. But there's also a sense of urgency. There's a sense of urgency. The world is dying separated from the Father. And we see that every single solitary day. And what, you know what? We've allowed ourselves to become content with that. And I don't think that that's what he's talking about when he's talking about contentment. So we need to have this, this talk this morning and look at this passage and let it wrestle with us in our minds and our hearts and our souls and physically with us about the things that we should be involved in and what we shouldn't be involved in, all right? So today what we're talking about is we're talking about an exhaustible resource. That exhaustible resource is time. Job 14.5 says this, A person's days are determined. You have decreed the number of months and have set limits which he cannot exceed. In other words, we cannot go beyond what the Lord is going to allow us to be here. There's no way to extend that out, okay? Now, Scripture does talk about this a lot, and I'll let you go, and I'm not going to dig in deep into it, but it speaks to the fact that we can lengthen our days. And so I don't think that that's about so much about, it's not about adding to the days in the sense of the number of days that we can live, but we can lengthen our days, meaning we can get more out of it. There's, there's much more available to us. We can lengthen and increase, and we can be more prosperous or better productive with the time that, that we have, okay? So we can't add to the days. James 4, 14 says, Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Scripture also says that a day in heaven is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. So we look at it from down here and thousands and thousands of days and years and months and everything is clicking off. But up there, it's moments because it's in eternity. So we're trapped down here in this, on this side, and up there is completely and totally different. So we have time, and time is really kind of spaced out for us. Uh, this October, my mom will be gone for 10 years. I've lost my mom 10 years. In fact, in January of the next coming year, my dad will be deceased 25 years. And in some ways, it seems like forever, forever, especially since I lost my dad. It's half my life. It really is. But in other times, I can remember myself as a child, and it's just like moments. Like he's really not been gone that long. You see, we get caught up into this here, and we get stuck in it, and our mind begins to think like it. We have to move out of this. We have to move beyond this and start thinking like God tells us to think about what time is. Using it for what it is. We get trapped and caught by time. Time brings us down. We stare at clocks sometimes waiting for the clock to tick off for moments of our life to go away. Or there's something that's in forward that we're looking forward to, maybe like a vacation or a trip or something planned, and we can't wait to get there. And days and moments are clicking off, and we're not prepared for what's going to take place between the thing that we want to happen 
to happen and what's taking place right now in this moment, in this instant. And so what this passage for, that we're going to look at today is about, is about is about every single bit of that. It's about us taking the moments that we have in time each and every day and making the most out of them. Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 35. It says this, Be dressed in readiness and keep your lamps lit. Be like men who are waiting for their master when he returns from the wedding feast, so that they may immediately open the door to him when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whose master will find on alert when he comes. Truly I say to you, that he will gird himself to serve and he will have them to recline at the table and he will come up and he will wait on them. Whether he comes in the second watch or even in the third watch, he, it finds them so. Blessed are those slaves. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not allowed his house to be broken into. You too be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. Our life is about preparation, not preservation. We spend all of our time thinking about how we're going to preserve our time. How are people going to remember us? What's it going to be like after we're gone? What are we going to leave to somebody else? See, we talked about this last week and a little bit the week before. The house of the Lord lies in ruins. Yet we go to our homes and they're paneled homes and we're all well taken care of and we have everything that we need. And because we have everything that we need, we close off the rest of the world. The house of the Lord is in disrepair and in despair. And that takes place in a lot of places. And even in this place. Pull your feet in. Are you ready? What would be the capacity and, and ability of this church if everybody in here that came as a family of God tithed? If we gave to God first what we were supposed to give to God, what would that be like? What if we thought of it that way? Would it be what we bring in today? Are we all doing the best that we can possibly do there? And that's just not about money because we're talking about time on this one. What if every single week the first thing that you thought of is what you could do for God that week instead of what you had to do for everybody else? Do you set aside time every morning to spend time with God? Or you just get up and start your day? Do you set aside time to read His Word? To spend time in prayer? Or you just go and do it whenever the moment arises and you have a little bit extra. You see, that's what we all operate on. God operates out of the leftovers. Scripture says over and over that he's supposed to get the first of everything. The first part of our day, the first part of our money, the first part of our abilities. You're talented. You have gifts that he's given you. And we use them for everything else but for what he wants us to and look, I hear this all the time. I get this. And I, I really do. I really do. But a lot of people in this room are teachers. And we go spend our time teaching everybody else instead of teaching the children that God puts in front of us to teach the Word of God to. And you know the Bible. 
and you're gifted in that area. And it's not just teaching. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Elizabeth had left. It was last week she had left. She wasn't feeling well. She's the only one we got to play the piano. Wrong. There are people in this place that can play the piano. She's the only one that stepped up. If she's not well, who can play the piano? We don't even know. You have the ability. It may not be to the measure that's been given to Elizabeth, but that's okay. There are people that can preach better than me. We talked about this. There are a few. There's a couple of people on this earth that God has blessed with more skill set than me myself. All right? And I'm okay with that. I know who those two are, and I'll listen to their podcasts. I'm just kidding. I'm just playing. It's about preparation for us, all right? It's about being prepared. It's not about our self-preservation. Everything that we should do should not be for our own well-being. It's about preserving the things that God has given us in the sense of talents, gift, and time to give to others. Not keeping them for ourselves. So are you prepared for the things that, that are out there? Are you prepared for the day? Are you prepared for the rest of this day? 1 Timothy 6.17 says this, instructs those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us all things to enjoy. Philippians 4.19 says, My God shall supply all of your needs. It doesn't say, My God shall supply all of your wants. It doesn't say, My God shall give to you so that you can have and no one else don't have. He's saying over and over through Scripture to us, and, and Paul is telling Timothy as he pours into him at the end of his life, Don't put your trust in these wrong things. Instruct them to do good to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasures of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. Mount Salem's caught up in this, and so are the, the, is the church in general. And I'm just going to say this because I love you all. We've got to stop making decisions based on October of 2019 and start making decisions based on 2029. We put a marker in the ground last year to be opened up 25 years from now. But yet, when we sit in this congregation this morning, I'm, if we were to take roll right quick, I'm going to imagine that half of the people that are in this room are over the age of 70. That's half. The average life expectancy is 72. Some of you are over that. You're on borrowed time. You're in the plus column. All right? That's enough. All right. I love you all. And I hate to sit and think that two to five to ten years from now, half of the people that are in this place may not be here. But it's our job to make sure that this place is here. It's our job to make sure that that capsule is opened up because it's still used on this property for the kingdom of God to do the things that he's called us to do in this community. And I don't know if I'll be here in five, two to five to ten years. I'm not guaranteed that either. But that's what it means to be prepared. 
that we should be rich in good works. We should be thinking about how are we going to keep this going long after we're not here. If we're going to live our life under new management, it's not about just handing the baton to somebody else. It's about preparing the baton to give to somebody else. We have to raise up leaders. We have to invest in other folks. We have to pour our life into someone else's life. That's exactly what Paul said in 2 Timothy to Timothy, the last chapter, chapter 4. He says, I'm pouring my life out like a drink offering into you. And two chapters earlier in that same book, he had said to him, you're to go to find somebody else to pour your life into that will pour their life into somebody else. That's discipleship. Paul poured into Timothy. Timothy was supposed to pour into somebody else, not just somebody else who would drop it on the ground, but to pour it into somebody else. That's fourfold discipleship. We need to be thinking four generations. We need to be pouring our life into somebody else that's going to pour their life into somebody else that's going to pour their life into somebody else. That's multiplication. That's how this works. We need to be thinking this way. We don't need to be thinking how we can keep stuff open and operating. And our families act like this. Not speaking of anyone specifically, speaking in generalities. Greater than 50% of all families are one paycheck away from real, real financial distress. We're living paycheck to paycheck. Churches are operating week to week and month to month. Where there is no vision, the people shall what? Perish. God's given us a vision. It's right here. He's told us what we're supposed to do. Al just prayed it. Our job here is to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our job here is not to pass this baton to the next generation of people that have come here. Keep reading. Peter said, Lord, you're addressing this, in a, uh, this parable to us or to everyone else. <laughs> in other words, he's saying, is this just for us or is this for everybody? It, and the Lord said, who then is the faithful and sensible steward whom his master will put in charge of his servants to give them their rations at the proper time? Blessed is that slave whom the master finds so, so doing when he comes. You need to understand that this is the appropriate time. This is the appropriate time. He said to Esther, for such a time as this, you were placed here for this. For such a time as this, I'm here and you are here. I'm not telling you that 10 years from now, I'm still going to be the pastor and you're still going to be sitting in the pew. But we are gathered together for this moment in time. And while we're gathered together in this moment in time, our job is to be about the business of the Lord. On my end as a leader, spiritually, and as a steward of everything that he's given here and as a servant. Because what did he say earlier in the past passage? He says, if the master comes, he's going to what? What did he say? He's going to serve you. If the master comes, is he going to find you serving him? We've gotten away from service. We don't honor service anymore. When you grew up, you drove to the, the gas station. When your parents drove to the gas station, somebody got out and did what? Cleaned your windows? 
ask you if there was anything you needed. It was full service. And then all of a sudden, you had to start pumping your own gas, didn't you? It wasn't full service anymore. It was what? Self-serve. And we have gotten into self-serve. <laughs> How many of you like to go to Loretta's? All right. How many of you like to go to Kurt's? What's the difference between Loretta's and Kurt's? Loretta's, Loretta's what? The what? All right. All right. You go to Kurt's, you can get as much as you want yourself, can't you? You can pile it on the plate all you want. You go to Loretta's, they what? Put it on the plate for you, don't they? Oh, no, they don't. They don't, do they? Sorry, bad illustration. Papa Jack's. You're exactly right. Papa Jack's. They put it on the plate. But when you go to the other places, it's what? Pile it on. Do you pile it on? <laughs> I'm paying $1.29 for this coleslaw, buddy. That thing's going all the way to the top. How many of you take a to-go-home plate from that place? I wasn't able to eat all of that. Now think about it. When we self-serve ourselves, we tend to what? Over-serve. But when we are serving others, we tend to give out just what is needed. Just what gets us by. The golden rule in Scripture says what? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So as you're going through the line there and someone is serving you, you're going, could I have just a little more gravy, please? Could I have a little more potatoes, can I get, Mike, three more green beans? Could you give me just a little bit more? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Start serving and doing and being like you would want somebody else to be towards you. I'm going to flip you here for a second. What if you were standing up here and you were the pastor of this church? Marcia says we'd be in trouble. <laughs> but I want you to think about this for a second. How would you treat that person? What would you want to be like as a servant, as someone that's serving in the church? What would you want that to be like? Look, I want that for you, and I want you to want that for me. Do you, do you get that? And if we live in that kind of relationship to each other, that's a generosity. That's a giving relationship. But so much in church today is about what is in this for me? What can I get out of this? And if it can't offer that to me, then I'm going to go find where they will give it to me. Self-serve. We need to get back to full service. We need to get back to the symbiotic relationship between staff people and worshipers or lay people, whatever you want to call them, because we're all worshipers. But we need to have that same love and respect for each other. I don't work for you. I work for God. And God's placed me here. That's the way I see it. 
I serve you. So I don't work for you. I serve you. Do you work for this place? Or do you serve this place? Do you serve the Lord here? Are you allowing him to get the most out of you here? This is where he's placed you. This is where you are. This is the appropriate time. Ecclesiastes 3, 11 through 15. He has made everything appropriate in its time. In its time, He has also said eternity in their hearts, yet so that man will not find out the work of which God has done from the beginning even to the end. None of us know how this is all going to play out. It looks bad, doesn't it? We can't go 24 hours without somebody doing something terrible in our country. And we definitely can't go a week. But we don't know how, we know how it's going to end in the sense of the second coming of the Lord, but we don't know exactly how it's all going to play out. Our job is to not worry about those things, when it's going to happen, how it's going to happen, but just know it's there, it's coming, we got a job to do right now. I know that there is nothing better for them to rejoice and to do good in one's lifetime. So that's Old Testament and New Testament saying the same thing. Do good in this time that you've been given. Moreover, that every man who eats and drinks sees good in all his labor. It is a gift of God. I know that everything God does will remain forever. There is nothing to add to it and there is nothing to take from it. For God has so worked that men should fear him. That which has been already and that which will be, will be has already been. For God seeks what has passed by. All right, now I want you to think about this for a second. Let's, let's get a little generational here for, for just a moment. Sears and Roebuck. The turn of the 20th century, that was the place, was it not? You could get anything from Sears and Roebuck. Sears and Roebuck is about done. Woolworths. Told you the story of that. My mom used to work there. Done, gone. Mr. Woolworth spent his entire life putting his name on everything, from buildings to everything. And now nothing has his name on it. And in about 20 more years, people are going to go, Woolworths? What's a Woolworths? J.C. Penney. Nothing lasts forever for such a time as this. We adapt or we what? Die. That does not mean that we compromise the scripture of the Lord. But we have to learn to live in the reality of the time in which we live. In fact, that's imperative. In fact, in the Old Testament, it's even pointed out. It, said, it, it says in Scripture, and I can't remember the exact verse. I think it's in Samuel. First Samuel, it says that the sons of Issachar... No, it's in Chronicles, sorry. Well, don't even let me try. I'm going to go through about 15 books right quick. It says that the sons of Issachar had the ability to recognize the times. The descendants of the tribe of Issachar had, could look around and sense what was going on and the change in the environment and learned how to transform in that. We got to be able to do that. 
We cannot say our way or the highway. Otherwise, it's going to be us four and no more. And that's what it will be. So everybody that comes through the door is not going to dress like you dressed when you went to church. They're not going to sing maybe the same songs that you sang going to church. They're not going to wear the same clothes or, or drive the same cars or maybe even raise their kids the way that you raised your kids. But we got to learn to be able to reach out and connect because this is the appropriate time. We're still alive. We're still breathing. God has placed us here to be about his kingdom. So not only is it the appropriate time, let's keep reading in the passage. Truly I say to you that he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But if that slave says in his heart, my master will be gone for a long, long time in coming and begins to beat the slaves, both men and women, and eat and drink and get drunk, and the master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him, and an hour he does not know, and he will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with unbelievers. And that slave who knew his master's will and did not get ready or act in accord with his will will receive many lashes. But the one who did not know it and committed deeds worthy of a flogging will receive but a few. From everyone who has been given much, much will be required. And to whom they entrusted much, of him they will ask all the more. So not only is this the appropriate time, this, this is the appointed time. Where are you in this? Are we beating everybody else down so that we can be king of the hill? Are we just lazing around and letting everybody else get by and doing what they want to? See no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil, just, just keep away from it. Christ said to the people, said to the Lord about his people, in John chapter 17, he said, don't take them out of this world. Don't take them out of this world. We are in it but not of it. There has to be a distinction about who we are. We can make a difference. Our lives do make a difference if we are living them for the Lord. Now look, the last thing he says is not, there's no one perfect in here. None whatsoever. But our punishment is not going to be nearly as severe if we are just about the business of the Lord. Don't try to be perfect with it. Don't look at yourself as the example. Christ is the example. Just be about the work and the business that God has called us to be about for his kingdom. Esther 4.14 For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, and you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not attained royalty for such a time as this. 
I've already mentioned this a couple of times on Wednesday nights. I don't think I've mentioned this here. But let me mention it here. So, New Bethany, McEver Road, doors are closed. No one meets there on Sunday mornings. Not going to give you the name, but there's another church right off of McEver Road who's down to less than 20 people. First Baptist of Flowery Branch has no pastor. Flat Creek has no pastor. They have an interim. Trinity Baptist Church at the end of McEver Road or whatever you want to call it there, 53 and McEver would merge together and then turn to go up Daniels uh, to Dawsonville, excuse me. No pastor. Union over here. No pastor. I'm just telling you, Mount Salem is not immune to that. That is six churches within five miles of us. All within the same association of Baptist churches. I'm just talking about one association, and I'm just talking about Baptist churches. We have to be about the business of the Lord. Where there is no vision, the people will perish. Same old, same old is not going to cut it. We're under new management. Our lives are to be lived for Him. First and foremost in every aspect of who we are. Are you giving the proper time to what God has called you to do? Do you even know what God has called you to do? Then I would tell you just get along with God and find out what He wants you to do. If we're doing that, and we're doing it to the abilities that He gave us with the things that He provided for us to do it, then it's okay. May not be perfect, but we will be doing what God has called us to do. If we can't say that today, then we need to start figuring it out. Because we're going charismatic because Presley's been speaking in tongues for about 15 minutes. She's great. That's right. That's right. Amen. She's been great. All right. Let me close in prayer. Father, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for the opportunity we've had to be in your house, to know you and to love you. Father, you've done so much for us. And sometimes you blessed us, and we are living in the excess. And Father, I just pray that you will help us to be diligent and have a sense of urgency and not to be just content because we're well-fed and well-housed and everything's taken care of, but to see the need that's around us, respond to it, whether it's those who need uh, a helping hand, food, the word, time, whatever it is, Father, help us to be able to respond. Salvation, so that we will know that we are doing all that we've been called to do. These things we ask, these things I pray for in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together.